Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling Is Trash, a long-awaited edition of Wrestling Is Trash. Uh, for those of you listening, I mean, there's been a brief hiatus and whatnot. I think since uh, WrestleMania, there hadn't been an episode proper. Actually, there has been three episodes since WrestleMania proper. I just hadn't had the time to put them things out. What I'm using this opportunity for uh, that you're hearing now is to kind of do a soft reset of the show and uh, kind of get it back into rotation on a cons- more consistent basis and whatnot. And to do that with me, I have a illustrious list of guests with me. We have a uh, anomaly here with me. We have a uh, Mike main event swerve on Twitter. We have Raja King Ajar on Twitter, and we have Carl Carl from the Codex Prime podcast. All joining me here. Those are uh, three episodes that I mentioned. That um I did not uh freaking publish. All all these gentlemen here in some form or fashion had something to do with those three episodes, and I thought it'd only be right to have them all back in some capacity so we can kick this thing off anew. Those episodes aren't just gonna be floating out there in the ether. They'll come back at some point in time. But right now we're just taking this one episode here to kind of catch up on things, current events, some things in the past that might have just passed with uh, New Japan and some um other stuff that might be coming up in the future. Cause that's what we do here on Wrestling This Trash. We don't have a set format. We just sitting here. Homeboys and homegirls Whenever we can get a female to come in here proper Like to uh, talk about Professional wrestling the things we like the things we don't Like because uh, that's what We do baby but um, first On the docket We got um, Somewhat of some breaking news you want to do that Up front or you want to just say that in the background There HR Um it's your show. You, you want me to break it at the end so that gives people a chance to listen? That's cool. I can wait till the end. Okay. But once again, I want to. I said it off air and I want to do it on air publicly. Uh, congratulations for the Toronto Raptors for winning their first NBA championship. I, I like to congratulate you on that. You're from that area and um, I, you was wanting that so bad and you finally got it. So congratulations. So. I know I told you, like, if you wanted to do a podcast, that's just about kind of my lifelong journey as a Raptors fan to this point. I could do that. I was season ticket holder for four years. A lot of big tears, the Grady years, Bosch, Damon, Stoudemire. I actually attended the first ever Raptors game. We played the New Jersey Nets, and our best player was Tracy Murray and Damon Stoudemire. Damn, I remember and that. And it was at the Sky Dome. It was at the Sky Dome. And, like, it had the worst sight lines of any basketball. Like, it, it felt like you were on, like, a baseball stadium, but watching basketball was awful. And, you know, me and three of my college friends, we, you know, we bought season tickets when they were really cheap. And this was, like, Vince's first year, so we didn't really know what he was. We just kind of wanted to go see the other players. So there's like, let's buy season tickets. We could see Iverson, and we could see Michael Jordan, or, we could, or not Jordan, but we could see Kobe, or we could see you know, all those guys. And, you know, that's kind of what we bought tickets for. Because if you guys remember, there was a strike in 1999. Yeah. And that's kind of why um, we ended up getting the season tickets. Because a lot of people in Toronto that gave up on the Raptors. They're like, oh, screw it. You know, these guys are greedy players, blah, blah, blah. We ended up buying tickets, long story short. Went to all the playoff games when I lived in Toronto. Um, you know, went to the... Philadelphia game where we lost in seven where Vince missed the shot. So to see us come full circle, beat Philadelphia on a buzzer beater, 
than than break the dynasty, which you know nobody thought we could do. Even without Durant, I was like, oh, Golden State's still going to win. That was amazing, and you know the reason that I really want Kawhi to stay is because, well, of course, if, if he stays, we can win again. But we've never had like a top three or two player. Like Vince was great, but he was never like Kobe. He was never Iverson or Shaq or Duncan. Mm-hmm. He was good. You're just a rough, uh, nasty like player. player. Yeah, yeah. Carter was just like a rough, rough, nasty player, rough. man. Who? I said Carter was just like a rough, nasty player, man. He getting there, rebound, and dunk on everybody. <laughs> no, Vince was the most exciting player in the league, and he had the best, he's the best dunker ever. But I never thought we'd win a title with Vince Carter as our best player. He likes uh, the nightlife a little too much. Yeah. He um, likes the women too much. I'm going to tell you guys this on this podcast, and we're going to go to wrestling. So if you all have Netflix, which I think you do, or I hope you do, there's a documentary called The Carter Effect on Netflix. So it talks about how Vince Carter has had this kind of lasting legacy on basketball in Canada. There's a woman in this documentary, her name is Mona. Um, on the documentary, it talks about how she brought bottle service to Canada. Well, she's actually the biggest madame in the city. So she, we owe her a lot of success because she made sure the players were tired on the other team the night before. That's all I would say. Go watch the documentary. All right. Word. And, by the way, the person who directed that documentary, I know who the person is. He's a friend of my sister's. So go check it out. It was produced actually by LeBron James. Ah, shade has been thrown. <laughs> um. Also joining us, uh, as mentioned before, Anomaly. Uh, any any thoughts on um, the current uh, turn in uh, New Japan as uh, what we talked about on text message not too long ago? Um, you know, the thing that I'm thinking is it's, it's competitive juices flowing mm-hmm. because their product went from complete shit at Wrestle Kingdom and the show after Wrestle Kingdom and the show after that to they've put out some very solid shows and some very solid matches. And I think it has a lot to do with, with so many eyes on pro wrestling right now with, with AEW and WWE. And I'm, I'm thinking they're, they're putting their bid in to show how elite they are in this profession. Um, I, I've been in awe over new Japan shows as of late. Work. Now, um, I've been doing some catching up and everything. I've been kind of out of the whole wrestling wrestling scene as a whole and whatnot. I just, um, I think the most recent stuff I've seen is um, the end of the uh, Super Junior, and then I caught up yeah. on um, a couple matches from Dominion, and then now I'm it, pretty much for the most part current and whatnot. And from what I've been seeing about all those things or whatever, Will Osprey is fucking killing it, and damn, um, yeah. Tanahashi is still pushing it, <laughs> which you know he he getting to the Undertaker. He almost getting to the Undertaker level for me. I know I haven't been watching freaking New Japan for a long time, but like, goddamn Tanahashi, man, you need to take a break, homeboy. Take take a sit down for a minute. But yeah, I know he ain't yeah do he that. Does, he does he needs to and in my opinion, I think he needs to take a, a good year off. Mm-hmm. He's beat up, man. I mean, I hate seeing the ace like that. I mean, he is beat up, and you could tell in his in-ring performance. He's still going out there, and he's giving it everything he's got. But mm-hmm. good gosh, man, his body is going through a lot of wear and tear. 
Yeah, he been what from I think what you was telling me, he been wrestling for like the past three or four years, injured or you know. Yes. Yes. He has not been healthy for a very long time and he won't stop. You know, dedication. He is a, a, a better undertaker. I mean, I believe they're about the same age, ain't they? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh <laughs> I'd love to see the Undertaker hang up the boot. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and let's think about that. I, you know, I, I, you don't, we don't invoke the name of the Undertaker and whatnot. This motherfucker is about to be at Extreme Rules tagging with Roman Reigns. The the man, so say, you know, I'm air quoting, retired him and shit, or which should have been his retirement <laughs> since it wasn't his retirement at WrestleMania 30, which wasn't his retirement at uh 20 whatever the fuck with the Hell in a Cell match. You know, he had many of opportunities to have a historic retirement, but this punk ass motherfucker don't want to die. Um, but <laughs> goddamn, I, got, I, I know, I know. As the resident Undertaker fan, I know. I, I I don't need to see another match. As a diehard Undertaker fan, I I enjoy the moment. I turn into a little kid every time I hear that bell. I enjoy the entrance still to this day. Hey, but it's like, all right, like I'm, I'm, I am ready to, I am ready to move on. Yeah, man, it's just like, uh, I forgot why I was going with my whole fucking rant. This whole subject on the Undertaker made my forehead sweat. I'm hotting on top of my dome, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Rob, can I, can I say something about New Japan? Because I love New Japan, just yes. like I'm sure everybody does on this podcast. Um, there was the, uh, the. Ibushi, the Kota Ibushi and um, Naito man. Oh my God! Yeah. From yes. Okay. I'm gonna say this, and I love, I love everybody knows I love wrestling. That's why I'm on this podcast with you guys. I have to say, I'm not a fan of seeing guys try to paralyze themselves for our entertainment. Oh yeah. No, I'm not. And that not match, the move, when they did the the suplex where his neck kind of landed. Oh my God. You know, on the, on the, on the, what's it called? The the apron? Apron? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. When I watch it, right, I'm like, okay, that was cool, but then I don't want this guy to not walk for my entertainment. So my only frustration with some of the guys in New Japan is they try way too hard to get, like, star ratings and to win the internet. But, like, it's entertainment. You shouldn't go out there and kill yourself because... And I'm only speaking for me. The wrestling I grew up on, like, I like Randy Savage. He's my favorite wrestler. I think he's the best wrestler ever. He's my favorite wrestler. But if you watch his matches, he wasn't going out there killing himself. He made it look like he was killing himself. But he actually wasn't doing it because he understood that, hey, I make it look real, but it doesn't have to be real. These guys are taking it to a level where it's actually real. Mm-hmm. I think they got to stop. So for me, some of New Japan is uncomfortable to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, because like, for me, it's not. And um, I'm just, I'm going, this is my thing, all right? Uh, Japan is a totally different culture than the U.S., for one. And that's something everybody has yeah. to understand. There's a warrior's mentality there. And any kind of full contact sport, you are deemed as a warrior there. Um, this, this is something I was touching on with, uh, with the show's good friend, Josh Baroni, today. It just because we think it looks uncomfortable or like they're killing themselves doesn't actually necessarily mean that's what they're going to do. David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear one time on national television when I was a kid. Did the Statue of Liberty really disappear? No, but he sure in the hell made it disappear. 
the problem with U.S. fans, in my personal opinion, is the veil has been lifted and there's too many smarts in the world. Um, it's just like with the Sean Spears, Cody chair. I mean, the Bucks and Tony Khan, they come out and they say, oh, well, the chair's gimmick. They should have never had to say that. They don't yeah. need to say that. Yeah, they shouldn't say that shit. Yeah, it ruins it, all right? When I watched the AEW Double or Nothing, the thing I love the most about it is it made me believe again. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a show. I didn't see entertainment. I was into the action. I believed everything I was seeing right then and there. When I watched Okada and Kenny Omega wrestle both times, I wasn't watching a show. I wasn't watching entertainment. I was watching a, a, a fight of two Ill, unmovable forces going at each other. To me, I don't need to know how they're doing something. To me, I don't need to know if it's safe or unsafe. They're professionals. They've been training for years and years and years and years and years. I want to go out there and forget what I'm watching. It has any predetermination to it whatsoever. And you can't do that with WWE because WWE is entertainment. Okay, that's all good for the pussies, okay? And I like UFC. I like MMA. I've been watching MMA since... The late 80s, all right? I like full contact. That's what I'm into. When I watch New Japan, I believe in kayfabe again. The veil is not lifted. Yeah. That's my thing. Just because we feel, oh, it's uncomfortable. Abushi may have broken his neck. Maybe something did wrong. Things happen. The fact of the matter is, they're professionals. Let them do what they do. And then, if something goes wrong, something goes wrong. But let us forget any predetermination make us forget there's any predetermination make us believe in peter pan again well yeah to um kind of go off okay. of a, a lot of the things that you were saying or whatever um the thing with abushi and night night or whatever i i think it, that a uh, whole spot was um you know just some form of miscommunication you know somebody just slightly turning you know i mean it was accident you know they didn't mean for that outcome that's pretty much what it was but um yeah, man, it's it's, it's ah, uh, New Japan is a whole different animal, man. Is that's what, <laughs> the, you know they got a lion in their logo. It's a whole different animal. It's just I don't. <laughs> it's just um, they believe in their craft, you know. And it, I've heard many of wrestlers that have performed there talk about as as though as it seemed rough to our eyes on TV. It's not that rough as a performer inside the ring or whatever. It's just like they put on such a good facade and they pull it, they execute so well that would um you know it, it's just like what Anam was saying is that the magic trick is still alive. It's, there's no uh, innards to it or whatever. You everybody can't look that shit up online. But I mean, it's just like if you would have went too much more to the left, that motherfucking neck would have been broke. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> New Japan. New Japan is more of a sport, right? They wins and losses matter. Um, they when you win a title in New Japan, it means something. They don't flip it back and forth every week. The the crowd treats it like a sporting event because they kind of like they boo who they boo, they cheer who they cheer, but they at the end, you know, the flowers, they hand each other flowers, they do all that kind of stuff, which is cool. And, you know, I mean, and the reason people love NXT so much is because NXT is, is booked and presented a lot of ways like, you know, PWG is or New Japan is. And yeah. that's fine. I, I, I get the point. And I agree with the point. Like, I liked wrestling 
when I didn't know every little thing about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about camera angles and this and that. Like, you're right. Like, I, I, I like the fact that um, New Japan kind of has the characters and you don't really know about them after they leave the ring. Like, nobody cares who Okada is dating or anything like that. Like, yeah. WWE, they make everything into a storyline and, you know, you don't know what is what and, you know, people go in and out of character all the time, even in interviews. And I agree with that. I, my whole thing is I, I want them to put on the show that they're capable of I just don't want to see guys at 30, you know, not being able to walk upstairs because here's the other thing. Wrestlers do make a really good living given what a normal like person makes, but they're not making NBA money, NFL money, hockey money. And these guys, I mean, you know, night from 19, I think it was like 1996 to 2003. No, form of entertainment had more depth than wrestling. So for me, that's my point. That's all. Okay. Yeah, uh, but but I mean like at the same retort with, with WWE, I mean Darren Drysoff's in a wheelchair because of an accident that happened with D Lo Brown. It, it, yep. anything what when you're in the ring, anything could go wrong in any profession. I remember not too long ago, uh in WWE, AJ Styles was wrestling James Ellsworth and he was giving him the Styles Clash and Ellsworth tucked in instead of sticking out. Mm -hmm. And he would have broken his neck, but AJ noticed it and AJ saved his life. I mean, he literally saved James Ellsworth's life. Uh, I mean, it happens all the time, right? Like, yeah. you look at yeah. Paige. I mean, Paige got kicked in the back of the neck. It was something she's taken a thousand times, but the thousand and one kick ended her career. She probably shouldn't have been in the ring to begin with because her neck was so beat up. You look at um, Samoa Joe, he's one of the safest workers, but he ended Tyson Kidd's career. Mm -hmm. Right? He yeah. was, they, yeah. they said he was an inch away from paralyzing Tyson Kidd. So I get it. And, and again, we don't have to spend too much time on this, Rob, but again, it's, it's on you. I was just pointing that match out because it's like one of the few times I've ever been like cringed watching yeah. the wrestling match. Like, I haven't been cringed, but that made me cringe. Yeah. Now, um, to kind of shift a little bit or whatever, we got uh, Mike had brought up some good points about um, the current shift in uh, WWE programming. It's been announced that uh, Paul Heyman and uh, Eric Bischoff have been uh, dubbed as the, was the executive producers for Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, and they right. report directly to Vince McMahon. Um, it's been pointed out also before I let Mike take the floor that um, this kind of puts a Band-Aid on the problem. It doesn't actually fix it, give it the rehab that it needs, but it kind of puts a Band-Aid on it because when you read that statement, they still report to Vince McMahon. So what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about that, B-Rob, when it comes to putting a Band-Aid on the problem because ultimately we see that, and I saw that in Raw. Um, it should be noted, first of all, that Eric Bischoff apparently is not going to fully take over in his role until after Extreme Rules. I've seen that reported by several sources that aren't Slice Wrestling, so it's definitely uh, has some traction to it, especially with it being the July 4th holiday. It was something about uh, his schedule and how he, he wants 83 weeks his podcast with Conrad Thompson to keep going on. And so a lot of those recording dates were going to happen before 
uh, next week. And so he'll probably end up taking over, like I said, after Extreme Rules. Um, but with that said, I think that Raw was definitely sharper this week. Because I'll be honest with you guys, yes, I've watched some. And I do I do see things on Twitter. I do listen to rest of the podcast. I definitely like rest. But have I watched three hours consistently of Raw in the past, let's say, two or three months? No. No. I have not once watched an entire show because I can't make it. I cannot make it. I literally fall asleep during the show. Not just because I'm a parent of a four-year-old. Um, I mean, that can happen. But if I'm entertained enough by the NBA Finals, for example, I watched all the way to the end of those games. You know, in the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals, you know, I watched all the way to the end of those games as well. You know, so if something grabs my attention, I can definitely watch. But Raw just wasn't, and it was just very stale. However, like, try this on for size, guys, because one of the main headlines in Raw after Monday was that Braun Strowman had, like, shoulder tackled uh, Bobby Lashley through the LED board. And then there was, like, this, like, massive explosion. I was joking on Twitter that it looked like he had uh, knocked him into a fireworks stand. He just happened to be backstage because there were so many explosions that went off, like, after they had already hit. So at first he goes through, and, you know, he had the original boom. And then I swear to you guys, it had to be like 30 seconds of just like, it, it almost seemed like on TV where like someone lights a fuse in a fireworks stand, like on the Simpsons, and there's all these fireworks that going flying. That's what it kind of looked like. But in any case, it was a cool effect. And they did this, they did something I've never seen where they had this camera angle that was sort of like over and, and to the right. It was like the overhead camera. So you see the EMTs working on these guys and they never show them close up. Yeah. So you never really saw what Braun and... Bobby Lashley had like gone through, but they ended up putting him on the, on the, uh, you know, stretcher and then they ended up getting him into the ambulance and everything. And this happened within the first 10 minutes of Paul Heyman, um, running a raw, you know, the first 10 minutes. Um, and then, you know, I think that the matches were more compelling. Uh, you know, first of all, they didn't have commercial breaks during matches. I don't know if that's something that they had done in weeks previous, but this time they didn't miss a beat on that. And the other thing is, uh, each match seemingly had a point. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to see if he can build momentum for next week, which after next week might have a chance to possibly compete for number one contendership and maybe go on to the pay-per-view. Like, no, 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 no. It was like, okay, this person, you know, interested in the U.S. title. You know, you have uh, AJ Styles slapping Ricochet, and then Ricochet slapping AJ Styles. You have uh, Alexa Bliss and... Mickey Cross, you know, seemingly doing something with impact. It wasn't just a moment of bliss. It was something that led into something greater. And, you know, now you have Alexa Cole and Bailey, but there or but there's a question of whether Mickey Cross um should fight Bailey or not, because Mickey Cross was able to um defeat Bailey. Right? So you got kind of that storyline going. And but the thing is, unfortunately, when we talk about Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon still being in charge. And the idea of a McMahon being on screen. The good news, guys, is that a McMahon was only on screen for maybe about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, with Vince McMahon being in charge, I don't think Paul Heyman would put him out there on his own, at least not that much. It's Shane McMahon. You know, Shane McMahon goes out there, and, you know, he's with Drew McIntyre, and he's over here trying to sort of invoke uh, The Undertaker. And, you know, B Rob talks about, you know, getting these guys out, you know, like Undertaker should have gone home like what three years ago or something. Shit, I think more than that. Said, <laughs> at thirty three. Well, no, at twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. <laughs> at twenty eight, okay, so it's been a while since then, just to 
short half decade afterwards. But anyways, the thing is, you know, you know at this point, guys, when it's like, but of course, the Avengers not coming. You know, he knows that he's afraid of me, and there's no way the Undertaker could possibly come off. It's like we're so rooted in that kayfabe that, like, you just you know that that he's going to come out because it's just been such an understood thing, and you start thinking about crowd attendance, and you start thinking about the attraction of being able to see the Undertaker live, much like WrestleMania 34, and all of that. So that was kind of the only unfortunate drawback of it was just that. You know, it had to be, you know, it had to be more Shane McMahon time on TV. It had to be announcing him as the best in the world again. Like, I get it. You want a little novelty trophy and food in there, and that's nice. But I just feel like we're, we're kind of overturning the best in the world uh, storyline. But I will say, guys, that I think that that was about the tightest and best three hours of Raw I've seen in 2019. Word. Like, in all honesty, I don't think there was a bad match. They did the 24 7 segments really well. No way Jose even went on the, on the program. Uh, so, I mean, and he was, like, put his shirt over, which apparently you can, like, you could, like, RT and possibly win the vote for Jose's shirt. So, I mean, and, and these are all things that would call him and take over. He didn't just take the six most important guys and put them on TV for two and a half hours. I mean, he really seems like he, you know, worked with these guys. They were sort of uh, crisper in their, in their matches. Um, it didn't seem like anyone was just kind of dogging them out there. It seemed like there was more of a passion, and I really feel like there was more direction in terms of where these storylines are going. So, of course, yeah, it's only the first week, and they're not going to break the LED board every week, but maybe they're going to sort of break kayfabe a bit more, and maybe they're going to let people loose a little more on their promos, and Roman Reigns isn't going to go out there talking about flying like a butterfly and staying like a bee and only going to like Superman tropes uh, or you know Muhammad Ali tropes or whatever the case may be. Just letting guys kind of go out there and be themselves. Okay. And that's what AEW is doing. So I feel like WWE is kind of feeling the heat and the pressure, especially with Stomping Grounds literally having, I think, 4,500 people or something like that out there. Um, and Seth Rollins having to defeat him, uh, defend himself against Will Ospreay, which, you know, in 2017, 2018, wasn't heard of because WWE is just like, you know, through the roof. And record number of networks is fixing, record network a uh, record number of stock uh, holders, kind of stuff. You know, every economic indicator was up, especially with the Saudi deal, right? Yeah. And the TV deal. Um, but I'm just hoping that this is an upward trend, and I hope that Eric Bischoff brings some similar things to the table because that was definitely a raw, and I would say a SmackDown at least to an extent worth watching. Yeah. Now, um, the couple of things with the with the story writing and everything, you brought up Alexa Bliss and um, everything. Uh, Carl. Yes. H- how fly was Alexa Bliss looking this uh, week, man? As always, she's as, as fly as always. I uh, I, I I wanted to drink a bathwater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Go, Carl. <laughs> Shit, uh, an anomaly even wanted some grape jelly or some syrup, huh? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> but um, to to kind of piggyback what uh, AJ was saying, uh, I'm actually the one. I'm actually pretty optimistic about these uh, new dr- directions that WWE is uh, taking with uh, Heyman and uh, Bischoff uh, with their new roles. I mean, in their it's, they've been started when they brought back Bruce Pritchard. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, and like you said, it wasn't just a whole fixture, but it was just it was just a band aid. Same thing with Heyman and um, Heyman and Bischoff, like their band aids. Having Heyman, I mean, having Heyman on Raw, you know, he's still like in tune with you know all the new guys. He's on, he's been in the locker room and stuff, so he knows what everybody's capable of, capable of. So he knows, he knows how to give a good wrestling show. Like he knows, he knows these guys better than Bischoff. I would say, as far as like with Bischoff, I think they put him in charge of SmackDown because of the whole Fox deal. Bischoff has been working with with other networks and stuff. He knows how to, I guess you could say, he knows how to like talk to these network executives. Yeah, and like he knows how to like be able to get stuff from them. Because last I heard, like Fox wasn't really impressed with um, the direction that WWE was going. Now, um, and you know Fox, they'll pull the oh plug yeah, on Fox, will, show, Fox has canceled shows before they have even aired. So exactly, so like, <laughs> yeah, so, so like with you know just... with Bischoff, he has he has that clout where he and like he knows how to like to talk to these executives. I mean, look at all the money that he got to spend. Look how much Ted Turner's money he done spended back in his WCW days. Mm-hmm. Like he knows he knows how to do that. So and also Bischoff has a wrestling mind, and that's another thing I'm impressed with. They're bringing in they're bringing back these wrestling minds because it's time to go back to what the middle W stands for: wrestling. Us fans want to see wrestling, and bringing back these wrestling minds. They have these you know these new school of uh, producers with Sanjay Dutt. Uh, Davari, Abyss, and all them working backstage. Now they need to start reaching out to the to the um, to the indies and start getting these uh, wrestling-minded writers. Once they do that, I think you know we're all it's all on execution right now. But I think who we'll end up getting a much better product and hopefully cutting. An hour of raw because three out. You're right. Eight, three hours is a little too much to digest. Yeah. Now, um, with the freaking changes and everything, I, I kind of brought this up a couple episodes back. Some that were not properly published, like I spoke about <laughs> earlier. But do you think, since um, we are approaching the uh, time of the XFL? that uh, since Vince has taken stock out of WWE and separated it from WWE altogether to put into a Titan, what, entertainment or sports or whatever the fuck it is. to um, Alpha Entertainment. Yeah, the Alpha Entertainment. There you go. To um, properly push the XFL and everything. Do you think he might be at a, you know, at a fraction of an inch, maybe taking a step back? And allowing these other two people that he just appointed to take over in it while he's doing the XFL shit. I mean, I hope so. I was I heard that he he plans on running both. I hope not. I don't know how he'll be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't think know. Rob. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. You good? I was about to transition yeah, to you anyway. A couple of things. Okay. So I think that the, the selling of the stock is because he saw that the AAF, American Alliance of Football, was not funded properly. It went bankrupt in less than half a year. And he, he is determined to put his own money into the XFL because 
while he doesn't get television rights, so CBS, ESPN, they're not paying for television rights. Them being on TV with sports gambling being legal, he kind of feels like it will stay on TV because once you get gamblers involved, they will watch it. Mm -hmm. So to answer the question, I don't think ever he will allow somebody to run his shows without being a meddling influence. Like I just, he doesn't strike me as a macro manager. He strikes me as a micro manager. Yeah. So I think what needs to happen, this is just my opinion, is so Hayman, you know, he, he improved the ratings. So Monday night, they got the highest rating they got in God knows how long. And they actually got the highest increase in three years of 18 to 49 viewers. If he keeps seeing the viewership go up and up and up, I'm hoping the networks who are spending $2.3 billion come to him and say, hey, look, these guys are doing something good. Why don't you just step aside, old man, and let them take it from here? <laughs> I think that with, with, no, seriously, because the networks do own the WWE. Like, people think, oh, stockholders or Vince. No, Fox and NBC own WWE because the way their house show attendance is going, the way their pay-per-view buys are going, because they don't even have pay-per-view, and even the network is flatlined, the only reason they're going to be so wealthy the next five years is because of television. So they have to listen to the television networks. So, you know, Fox is asking for Donald Trump to be on the first episode of SmackDown. <laughs> and they're asking Vince to put Donald Trump on the first episode. So my point is, whether it's Eric Bischoff, Paul, I mean, I don't know who's going to, you know, whoever they put in charge, and obviously they have these two for a while now. He has to let them do their thing. And what they have to do is have the pulse of the new generation of wrestling fans. They have to look at what's successful on the indies, AEW, PWG, New Japan. We don't want scripted promos. We want wrestlers to be themselves like The Rock and Austin were way back in the day. And we want matches that have storyline meaning that draw something out. And we, want, we don't want repetitive matches. Like, I think those are the three things. If they can solve that problem, then I think they're going to be fine because they have more talent now than they've ever had in their life. Right. They just don't know how to use the talent. Word. So, you know, like, I read a report today about Ricochet that I guess he is drawing teenage girls. So of they course. are going to push him to the world title. Because Ugh. women want to watch him wrestle. Yeah. Well, that's good for the men too because he's really good as a wrestler. <laughs> so if you're gonna put yeah. Ricochet, I'm not gonna get mad at you for that. Uh, and uh, better than Baron Corbin. Yeah. And aside from um, being uh, pretty talented in the ring or whatever, can anybody tell me out of the um, four of you in here what, what what's what is the street profits? <laughs> oh, I, I, I could tell you. Prime time. The crime time, that's what you say? I, I don't. I, I don't I don't think that guys. Um I and, and here's why. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not saying that they're completely like distinct. There's no way comparing the crime time. I mean they definitely have that, you know, energy and that, that liveliness that I mean can kinda kinda be like, Hey, you know, we're we're kinda here to mess things up, you know, and stuff like that, you know. But I think of them and I remember this from seeing them at NXT de- debut, they were advertised as sort of like these like I guess YouTube stars in a way, you know, because they like kind of film their own videos and they'd have the, the cup. They never tell you what's in the cup, but we just assume it's probably drank. I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's just kind of that's just kind of assumed. But you know, being PG, they're like, oh, we're not going to take a drink. We're not going to actually pour beer or anything else, right, or liquor. But they're supposed to be sort of these guys that are these just kind of like you know video stars. I mean, they can kind of you know it seems like they could rap or they could you know they they could cut promos and they could they could joke around or whatever it is. The crime time was very stereotypical, and I talked about this on Twitter a bit um, the other night, that, you know, someone was like, wow, you know, I can't believe they're bringing, you know, Crime Time 2.0 or something like that. And they said, that's not what it was, because Crime Time is literally thieves. Like, they were literally branded as, like, these, like, thieves. Like, you know, it's Crime Time. And it was, like, these, like, you know, two black guys, right? Not trying to be racist. That's just what they were. It was more of a racially biased or stereotyped concept. And supposedly JTG came up with it. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Well, but hopefully someone would have the wisdom to say, you know what, let's not do that. Because if like New Day came out and they were like prime time, I mean, that'd be really controversial, you know? No. And it's very like, like no, no. on PC. And so it would show them like, you know, breaking into, you know, liquor stores. Yeah, or, the whole thing with crime time, though. Never with the street profits. Yeah, the whole thing with the crime time thing, though, that was a blatant ripoff of In Living Color with the Wayne's brothers doing um the back alley deals and mm-hmm. shit. That's yeah, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. shopping network. Yeah, the, the homeboy shopping network. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that, the homeboy shopping network. Is that those? Yeah, it was just like a blatant uh-huh. rape, uh, rape off. Oh my god, <laughs> rip off. It was a rape off. I like that. It was a rape off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how would that go? It's a rape off. We just like, are right, we gonna take turns raping this bitch? And we gonna see who do it the best. All right. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna edit that out. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> Go ahead. What you were saying? I, I don't. I, I don't. When I see, when I look at street profits, the reason okay, they're not exactly crime time. That's true. But when I see them holding the the solo cup, and I'm like, okay, is what's supposed to be in there? Is it purple drink? Is that what it's supposed to be in there? Because that's kind of what I think when I see them with the with the solo cup. Um, what I like about the street profits is they're actually good in the ring. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy watching them in the ring. I never enjoyed crime time as wrestlers. I enjoyed no. the vignette. Like the one of the best vignettes they've ever done, and I don't I know people are gonna not like it, is when they try when Triple H and Shawn Michaels yes. had to buy tickets to get back into the arena for in, in England and Triple H is like scared of them because they were like, you know, someone's like, I got this. And then he starts to like speak. Yeah. <laughs> he body with them. It was, I, it was a, I thought that was one of the best. Yeah, that was great. Like, it was one of the better. Yeah, so to me, that's what I like Street Profits for. But I don't think they'll ever go down that complete stereotype ever again because they, get, they got in so much trouble for when like Mahal made the comment about Nakamura that it's like they oh, won't yeah. go down those paths anymore. They they're just you'll never see the Mexicals ever again. You're never gonna no. see, you know, Eddie and Chavo stealing cars. Mm-hmm. But I or even Kerwin profits, White. but yeah, Kerwin White. Like to me, I think the shoot profits. <laughs> um my fear of them on the main roster is I feel like I need to see some tag a tag team hold the belt compelling feuds. There's just too many tag teams and they kind of interchange with the stupid wild card rule. And I'm kind of like, okay, I like all of you guys, but I really don't know like where this is going. Like 
you know, okay, these guys have the belts, and these guys lose the belts, and then this is the champ. Like, I, I like tag team wrestling, and it's actually um, some of my favorite matches of all time with tag team matches. Just, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a loaded roster. I don't know why they needed to bring them up. Okay. Now, I thought it was just too soon. Uh, 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 I, actually do have, I actually do have a question about the street popping since we were on it. What is everybody's beef with D'Angelo Dawkins? Okay, yeah, I was gonna bring this up, and um, me and Mike, we kind of talked about this when we went to the uh, the show here in Houston. Um, D'Angelo Dawkins is just like uh, he he's almost what he's the um, Blake Murph, Blake Wesley of the um, the freaking Banff motherfuckers or whatever. It's just like one he, he he's the Marty Jannetty man. It's just like yeah, he's the guy. I mean, he he puts the tag team together, but him as a you know in a thing is in himself or whatever it's just like what the fuck is this or whatever because well, here's, here's, here's what doesn't help me rob you know uh, he was this uh headband and of course Mauro Ronaldo tries to really push it you know he tries to push like everybody but he's like he's like oh he's the curse of greatness like i don't know what that means you know what i mean i don't know how he's achieved greatness i don't know where he's ever shown greatness and the problem is he's abbreviated in that uh headband it says cog so it just seems like he's like just a wheel uh, you know a spoke on the wheel of the game. You know, like, okay. you know, oh, here's the call. Okay. No one thinks proof of greatness. You, know, you guys are missing, you guys are missing, you guys are missing why people have it. Montez Ford is married to Bianca Bella. That's oh, yeah. why he's the Shawn Michaels of this deal. Oh, yeah. It has of nothing to do with his responsibility. Yeah. And then with Montez yeah. Ford, he is the truly the standout of that team. And I believe, like, if they would have pushed him solo, he could be an NXT champion or uh, any type of champion on any of the programming or whatever. It's just like he is the exception to the rule. Everybody seems to have like a script and a direction, whatever he does, whatever and says, whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> you can't tell me any of that shit that he does and says is scripted. You can't tell me that. <laughs> Well, it's that crown. I feel like he just kind of decided, you know what? I think I'm just going to start wearing this king crown, being King Tez, and change his Twitter name to King Tez and stuff. You know, I mean, of course, he's still the same handle, but it's just King Tez, and he just kind of, you know, rocks that, you know, rocks that look. And I don't think anyone, like you said, told them what to do with like New Day with the pancakes or anything else. They're just like, hey, these guys got charisma. We're just going to let them do whatever they want. Yeah, and then it's like almost an uncomfortable thing for um, Antonio Dawkins or whatever. Because if you look at any of their promos, when Montez just go off to the whatever and says this crazy, insane shit that he says, just look at Dawkins' face. He's like, "What? What the fuck is he? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, where am I going with this? I'm gonna just play with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see where he's going, and I'm gonna try to play off with it as best as I can." <laughs> you, you know what? You know what, Rob? It's as awkward as. I don't know if you guys, anyone saw Nikki Cross hosting a moment of bliss. I don't know who made that decision. But oh my god, that was that was, that was terrible. Her accent uh, is thick. So that was worse than failing your life. No, but it, it probably was. But here's what I will say: I think all of the women's segments over the last month have been really awful. Seriously, like I, I actually like women dressing more than I like men dressing, but. I don't think they have been portraying these women in like the best thing that they did with the women was Amber and Mandy Rose, which is like two minutes. And it's like, you watch um, the Seth Becky promo. Oh, that was so bad. Mm-hmm. That was so bad. That was it's like, it's worthy. Like, all right. 
like Maria saved that whole segment. Oh. Like if it weren't for her, that whole segment was awful. But she saved it. Like Becky and Seth are like jolly golly gee whiz. <laughs> it's like no, like <laughs> Becky has been so cooled off ever since they put her with Lacey Evans and they introduced they did the Seth on screen boy boyfriend give character thing. Like to me, Becky was hot because she was cutting very edgy promos and she was kind of like the anti-establishment person. And now she's fighting Lacey Evans, who absolutely, I know um, she's a, she has a great story and everything, but she's not ready for this spotlight. Like, she's not good. And I'm sorry, but Bailey's been the best women's roster since WrestleMania in the WWE. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I, I you know, and, you know, that's not saying much, but at least given that Bailey was just lost the bliss in four minutes on a Raw after Mania and then still ended up kind of getting pushed, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. But, yeah, like, I'm tired of that. I like Becky. I think she's great. It's just, she, it's boring. It's like, get, a, get her away from Lacey Evans, and that's where my breaking news teams will be later about what her SummerSlam plans are. So, yeah, I mean that's my thought. I know anomaly. And is it just uh, me? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, I was gonna say real quick. Is it is this is Seth sort of becoming like Becky's arm candy that just kind of smiles and like almost asks for asks for her approval instead of being the universal champion? It's kind of like, oh, I don't know. What do you think, Bex? And he kind of like smiles and looks back. It's like, do you did you lose your own mind? Like when he started, you know, he started being on screen couple with Becky. Like it just seems like they're like handcuffed in a way. I don't I don't like it so much. Yeah. Seth. Tim Wu is one of the best wrestlers in, in the world. But the only week I found him compelling as a character since he won the belt was when he beat everybody up with the chair. That I liked. Yes. Like, I was like, okay, this is good. He's just running around kicking everybody's ass with the chair. It's like, you want to cheat me out of my title? I'm going to take you out before you ever get the chance. And then I kind of knew where they were going. Like, okay, Lacey's going to be the ref. But that was good. I was happy with it. But I get it. Becky and Seth are a couple. Great. Like, let them live their life. I don't need to see it on screen. It's right. like, I don't care. Like, to me, um, Zelina Vega and Andrade fit as a wrestling package. One is married to Alice the Black, the other one's dating Charlotte. I don't need to see them break up and then, oh, Charlotte's really, who cares? Like, no, like, that's their personal life. Let me, give me the characters that mean something. And like, I got to say this, and we talked about this, Rob, on the podcast after Mania. Becky's in-ring work has been very, very, very suspect since the Evolution match with Charlotte. Since that match, she has not had a really good match. Mm-hmm. She hasn't. No. The WrestleMania main event was not good. I don't feel anything because that was a terrible match. No, it and wasn't. She was, she was the worst in that match. Yeah. Um, she was the worst in that match. So that's my opinion. But okay. Kinda I know Anomaly is been in the background for a little bit. I want to bring you up front. Uh any happenings in the realm of uh New Japan. Uh one thing before you do take over though. Uh, Jay White, we, we talked about it. I think it was on the episode that is not to be named. <laughs> but uh, uh I I asked you what if Jay White grew a beard? Would he be more compelling? I mean, that, he did just that. So, what do you think about Jay White he with did. the beard? <laughs> um, 
it's Jay White with a beard. I mean, <laughs> what could you say? You know, I, I kind of liked him, the little baby face greaser. You know, the, you know, he's the switchblade. You know, I, I kind of dug that. But, hey, now he, look, now he looks like Neville. You know, he, he's Fox Evil twin. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's what you got. Um, I, want, I want to touch on something. I think Street Profits was brought up to the main roster because of the sudden impact and popularity of Private Party and AEW. Mm. I really do. Because if you look at it, they brought these boys right up from NXT after they won the titles. And now they're all of a sudden on the main roster. And Private Party has been the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. They have been they've been kicking ass and taking names on AEW and like the whole world got introduced to private party oh, yeah. and now everyone's saying amazing it's the greatest trainer on the planet because of how action packed private party is now he, so I mean that's yeah. what I think that is I think that's the WWE trying to counter it and say well we got street profit well that's gonna be a, a grave mistake because I mean I I don't know a lot about private party but what I've seen of them and um their performance at the uh, fighter fest and whatnot. Um, street profits can't handle it. They there's nowhere near. No, it. <laughs> no, no way in hell. No way in hell. They're not. They don't have the ring capabilities that private party does. I but I think that's what the WWE has been trying to do is trying to counter everything they're seeing from the other promotions or whatnot. And I think that's kind of why um, Seth Seth really went went after Will Ospreay, which I also think is a mistake. Yep. Don't get me wrong. Seth can go. All right. I will say that Seth can go. I've been watching since he was Tyler Black. The boy can go. But I am sorry. Will Ospreay runs circles around his asses. And you can watch Seth. Seth is not as, um, what's the word I'm looking for right now? I got kids practicing American Ninja Warrior right now, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like dynamic. Seth, dynamic. They're, they're pretty good. I got a nine-year-old over here deadlifting a hundred pounds. So you know, <laughs> they're pretty. They're doing some stuff. Nathan, <laughs> not you, dummy. But um, Seth is not as consistent as Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay goes in night in, night out, every night, and has a amazing match no matter what. Seth can have shit matches. He is always he can he can tear the house down, or he can put the house to sleep. That's what Seth does. Um. That's not a knock on him. That's just how he is. Um, Will Ospreay is the future of professional wrestling. Uh, not a doubt in my mind. Uh, I think what I think what the WWE is doing is trying to counter everything they're seeing in other promotions with what they got. Trying to say, well, we're a better product. We're a better product. We got this. We got that. We got this. We got that. I don't think it's working out to with with true wrestling fans. I don't think it's working out. Maybe two WWE fanboys, maybe two just North American wrestling fans, but two pure wrestling connoisseurs who watch all promotions and see what they're actually doing. It it kind of pisses you off. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still, I'll be honest, I'm kind of boycotting WWE. Still, I may watch Raw next week. Uh, but I'm still kind of upset with the Ashley Massaro stuff, so I'm still boycotting their punk asses until I'm I'm waiting to see proof positive that they didn't cover up a sexual assault. Okay. Um, so, so I, I I agree with the Will Ospreay comment. I think I actually think he's had the he's been the best wrestler in the world for a while, like for about a year. Um, I've never seen a Will Ospreay mess that I'm like, oh yeah, that sucks. 
But I'm not defending Seth because I, I believe Oscar is better. But if Will Oscar had to wrestle Baron Corbin every single house show, do we think he still have the same kind of matches? <laughs> That's a good yeah, question. honestly, I think Will would find a way to to bring the action out, even though Baron Foreskin sucked monkey cock. That- All right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this dude. I, I mean, seriously, this, this that that fuckwad comes on TV. I go to the bathroom. I mean, there's no uh, if answer but the dude. I can't stand this dude. He he's like a he's like a retarded super villain. Like you know how like the super mega band villain would always have the dumb buffoon in the background. That's Baron Foreskin. Okay, he's he's the jackass. He's like. He's like Jason Voorhees if he wouldn't have drowned and never wore a hockey mask. He's just a a, a doofus ass fuckboy. I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron Foreskin, I, I may I may have to steal that now. Yeah, go ahead and yeah. write, write that down in your, well, in your book. I, I actually spelled that too, so I, I can't take credit for that. Uh, if you go on YouTube and Google GTS Wrestling, they have their own little in- independent uh, federation. They have a lot of guys they bring in. And um, Robbie Robbie E was there. Um, a lot of different guys wrestling for, for yeah James Ellsworth brought there. But um, the guy who owns GTS, he started the Baron Foreskin shit. So I can't take oh, credit yeah. for that. Uh, yeah, but the- they're gonna use it. <laughs> what's what's dude's name that owns GTS? Grim. Grim. Yeah, well, Grim owns GTS. Grim was a indie wrestler. He still does it like part time, but not full time anymore. But yeah, he came up with that. GTS is very enjoyable. I would rather watch GTS than Raw. Now, um, with everything that we got going on, we did briefly bring up uh, AEW. Um, we're going to go around the table here. What are your thoughts on um, everything that they put out so far, starting with Anomaly? I love it. I, I like the direction the company's going. The only fault I had in them is when they came out with the Bucks and Tony Khan saying the chair was gimmicked. I don't think they needed to do that. Uh, only issue I've had. Everything else, the Joey Janela Moxley match. Good gosh. Now that was fucking wrestling, dude. Okay. Everything they put out has been top notch, in my opinion. The only thing I think they should have said was. When everybody says something about the the headshot, they should say, "Mind your own fucking business." We're not WWE. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, re- real quick, we're gonna trans over to Mike. Mike, what you, what you think about it so far? I think it's been really good, and I think that it has kind of has kind of you know, put the veil back on. You know, when it comes to what you know kayfabe is, and not knowing what's real and what is you know, because when we saw Moxley come in, especially, I mean, that was just a transformational moment, you know, it's something that showed that they are here to compete and they can definitely compete with WWE. And I think that it's all been good except for the initial commentary. I'm glad they got rid of that original commentary guy because that guy sucks. I mean, I'm sorry, but Alex Martinez was, was terrible. And uh, I mean, he didn't know like what the wrestlers' names were. I mean, people criticized Michael Cole. He didn't even know he was in the ring sometimes. He didn't know when they were going backstage. I mean, it was, it was really a disaster, but, um, you know, I think the last year this guy, Golden Boy, I'm not really familiar with him, but he did great. And I think commentary was outstanding. That that three uh, person team was really good. That show flew by. Fighter Fest just flew by. Great. Okay, Carl, what you got? Uh, love what they're doing so far. Me personally, I think Double or Nothing was much better. Was a much better show than Fighter Fest. Um, I loved. I feel like I'm getting 
everything that I needed from professional wrestling and AD, AEW, like me being a you know a big a huge you know a big nerd and stuff, a gamer and all that. I love Street Fighter. I love the elite entrance. Um, like you know the crowd, you know the crowd, which I think you know pretty much we can all agree on that AEW has pretty much uh, have a has a smart fan base. And they're catering to, you know, they're catering to that. They're trying, you know, once they get, I'm sure once they get their uh, show on TNT going, that's when they'll, you know, have more mainstream fans. But, I mean, they are definitely, like, appeasing to all the smarts. Uh, They're giving us it. They're giving us the fresh alternative to what we, as wrestling fans, have been wanting since... A long Maybe time. Two thousand <laughs> since twenty ten. Okay. And Ajar, um, I'll go ahead and let you wrap up this round table real quick. Uh go ahead and give us your brief thoughts on AEW and um break the news that you said you had for us. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I have to go to something else, but uh, something came up. Hold on, let me turn. All right. So my thoughts on AEW. I it's refreshing. I think you guys covered it very well. It's a it's a refreshing alternative to what we've been seeing. Um, I, I, it felt like the wrestling I grew up on, um, it instantly in one night, uh, the former Dean Ambrose, the current John Moxley feel like the biggest star in the world, just like that. in one night he went from being yeah, part of the shield and kind of stale to a big deal. And I think, uh, the Dustin Bowie match was everything you like about professional wrestling. Um, fighter fest was okay. Um, I thought it was not like the follow-up to Double or Nothing, but I don't think it was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be kind of like an, an appetizer, and they're saving a lot of good stuff for um, the Chicago show. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's really, really good, and, and I'm going to support the product. I'm going to definitely watch it on Wednesday for Q-Chain whenever they decide to to kind of have the show on on the air. And I agree. I think somebody said earlier, the commentary was the only thing I didn't like about it. Um, I thought Marvaz was a disaster. Honestly. Oh, catch um, that baby. You want me to break the news? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, give us what you got, man. All right. So, somebody I know, somebody I know works in market for, uh, you know, I used to interview people back in the days of my sister's, um, of my sister's magazine. They have a promotional poster of SummerSlam, but they won't send me the picture of it. They just have it. And it has Chris Stratus versus Dr. Ben Brenner. Okay. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. SummerSlam, SummerSlam is in Toronto. So, I guess a couple of months ago, when they posted their Instagram picture together, that wasn't by accident. Like, there was a reason that WWE put that on the website, and that they both reposted it on their Instagram, and they kind of go back and forth about how much they lost each other. So, apparently, there's, like, that's the direction that they're going simply because they want to make her happy, and that will make her happy. Word. And just saw a poster. A WWE marketing poster. Word. So, oh. there's a WWE marketing poster for SummerSlam circulating around of Trish Stratus versus Sasha Banks. It's circulating around. Okay. 
good to go. I, yeah. I, I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I mean, it, it, it's um, it's not. I don't think it's you know a surprise. I mean, I I think it was teased um, at the Evolution show and even a little bit before that 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 might be happening sometime in the future. Oh yeah, the stairway right. in the, in so the, the uh, I got to jump, Rob, to something else. So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. I enjoyed it. You got to do it again. All right, we we'll try to do that, man. I appreciate your time. All right. So um, with HR uh, leaving out or whatever, gentlemen, I think it would be a good point to bring it all to a head here. Um, I appreciate y'all for for being here with me. I appreciate Anomaly Kids for being here with us as well. And uh, oh yeah, they having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're just gonna wind it down here. Uh, final thoughts before we go. Starting with Carl, um, what are you looking forward to to come out of Extreme Rules? Uh, hopefully some actual like match stipulations. I mean, we have two more weeks to the pay per view, and there's like. Nothing special about the matches except that there's matches. Mm-hmm. Like if it's gonna be extreme rules, like add. I mean, it won't be a hardcore match, but you know, add a cage match, add a pr- prison Punjabi match, or whatever. <laughs> like add something. You know, give give us something. Okay. Uh, what do you think about the um, next AEW show, the uh, Fight for the Fallen? Oh, I'm look, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, the roads against the young bucks, the way they, uh, pr- the way they pr- that show so- that show sold itself sold itself with Cody alone, mm-hmm. with Cody and Dustin's uh, moment at the at the end of their match. That that was I was already hooked, and we're already like myself, uh, my partner Vic from the Codex Prime podcast, and uh, my boys from the UWO podcast. Shout out to them. We're already like ready to get together and watch that show all for the strength of that promo- that uh promo alone word word, word. now uh, mike same for you uh what do you think about the up and coming extreme rules what are we going to get from it and uh what are your thoughts on the next aew show fight for the fallen well i think that when it comes to extreme rules there's a couple things we do have uh you know Carl was mentioning, well, you know, let's have something come from it. I know that there's no holds barred, I think it is, between Undertaker, uh, was it Undertaker, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre, and Shane McMahon. So hopefully there's some really cool spots in that. But definitely, I don't want to see Undertaker try to lift anyone he can't lift or tell some people he can't change stone. Let's not get that. Um, but I will say that apparently, it was, I forget if it was Drew McIntyre that requested Undertaker or Undertaker requested McIntyre as an opponent. So this is a match that they're passionate about. You know, they really want to happen. But the other thing I was thinking about is I think Alexa ends up beating Bailey because Alexa hasn't been in the picture in a while. And, you know, at least not beyond moment of bliss or whatever. And then I think Mickey Cross turns on her. And I think you get some really compelling storylines there for about a month or two, you know, and hopefully we don't get Mickey Cross hosting moment of bliss again. Um, yeah. But after Fight for the Fallen, uh, I think that, you know, my, my apologies because on Twitter, I had said, I thought it was just a matter of which show would you rather watch, right? And so I said, well, you know, I'm going to watch the Evolve show because it's WWE, et cetera. I don't know who half those people are. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, but I do know, I, I thought it would be like a bunch of NXT guys and a couple Evolve matches. I don't know who half of those people are. Um, but I will tell you, 
Thanks for the following. I like I like how it built in with uh, you know Cody meeting his brother. I mean, we've had some really good like foreshadowing for that, uh, previewing that match, and I think um, there's going to be some other things that are going to build to. I feel some bigger storylines that we'll have on Tuesday Night Dynamite or Wednesday Night Dynamite or whatever it ends up being. Cool. All right, Anomaly, what you got? Same question. Um, I would love to see Paul Heyman do all of the everything for Extreme Rules. Uh, I'm an ECW traditionalist. I remember when the Samoan gangster party jumped Mustafa and New Jack on the streets of Philly and they put New Jack's head under the tire and he said, squash that motherfucker's head, show him no fucking mercy, we'll show him how gangsters get down. That was Paul Heyman at his prime, at his peak. I remember Taz going out and saying, everybody's scared to wrestle Taz. The Red Hook shoot. He thinks it's real. No one wants to get in the ring with the human suplex machine. That was Paul Heyman. Let Paul Heyman show you what extreme fucking is. And then extreme rules would go down as one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen because the Undertaker is crippled. Uh, and Shane McMahon's in this match as well. So, in other words, this will be a fucking bore fest, and you'll probably fall asleep within the first hour and a half. Um, <laughs> AEW is going to fucking deliver. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are going to deliver one of the greatest wrestling shows of the year. The card is packed. There's hot young stars with something to prove who are getting their opportunity to shine, who know that there's a television deal as well. I mean, there's just too much there for it not to be a great show. And not to mention, and this is the thing, they ain't worried about pushing the envelope. They don't care, okay? They're AEW. I'm looking forward to the AEW show because I know I'm going to forget anything about entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just be honest. WWE sucks. They're on life support right now. They're bringing in Paul Heyman to try to um, arouse us. I have no faith in Eric Bischoff. I just want to say that I have no faith in him whatsoever. <laughs> um, you, you guys, hey man, I, I love the optimism, but do you guys remember Nitro near the end no, when he was there? I, I don't need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, a lot of that was Russo. Yeah, hey, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, it was Russo. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the Russo era. The Russo era is totally different. That was just shit fest. Fuck Vince Russo. Vince Russo, I challenge you to a fist fight, you punk motherfucker. I will yeah. kick your motherfucking ass, dog. I got money that says I will fuck your little New York ass up. Bitch, you ran for fucking Jim Cornette. You want none of this boy right here. Fuck you, Vince Russo, you up north pussy. Anyways, what I'm saying is, is Eric Bischoff, when Nitro was being ran by Bischoff, every fucking night, here comes Hulk Hogan with the boa, playing the guitar to the Jimi Hendrix, cutting the mountain with the edge of his hand. You know something, brother? The NWO is in full effect, brother. Look, Here's Eric Bischoff in the back. Turn look, the fuck on, look, man. Look, 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 look you, you, talking, you talking about WCW. You talking about WCW. I'm talking about more recent. I remember when that bastard came into TNA. <laughs> yes. So yes. when they TNA say, never recovered. Yeah. When, when and so, now we're and now we're giving him SmackDown. Yeah. So when I seen 
all right, I, I knew about WCW. I, you know, I, that was that was me growing up in my heyday with professional wrestling. So I seen the fallout of that. And then when they announced Hogan and freaking Bischoff was going to TNA, I was like, oh, Lord, this shit is going to die. And it did. It went down. Yep. It didn't die, but it, it's damn near close. And then damn. They've been on life support for years. Yeah, so, so now you see his face pop up with a WWE graphic. I'm like, holy fucking shit. And to their credit, I mean, they put on compelling fucking uh, podcast or whatever. They popular and shit. Him, Bruce Pritchard, and all the motherfuckers that they rehired back. But it's a fucking podcast talking about old shit that they used to do and behind the scenes shit of old right. shit they used to do right. so what's up with this new school shit you know i'm okay. i'm kind of scared in, in defense yeah. in defense i i can see why you guys are very you know skeptical about this but then you gotta understand too bishop was running tna with hulk hogan I and mean, hulk hogan he okay he's an asshole he's all about himself he politicked the business for himself for many 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 years so now and then he and then remember, even though like Bishop was just an on air talent for WWE, he didn't do too bad. I'm still scared. I'm still with, scared. with Vince over him, I think he'll do I think Bishop will do okay. Heyman will do great, but Bishop will do okay. And then you know I mean I say give Heyman both shows. Give Heyman both shows and get his brain to do what he will and you will see all of the light and glory shine back on wwe yeah well it remains to be seen and then um you also talking about two people who have been in this position with uh mcmahon before and they probably know how to better handle him now in these current days so i mean we just have to wait and see um as mike was talking about earlier um Heyman won't I mean, uh, Bischoff won't take over until after Extreme Rules. Uh, Heyman has already stepped up, I believe, now as far as this uh, past Raw has gone. So um, it's still time. We need to see how it's all going to go. It ain't going to change overnight, but let's just wait and see. But on that note, let's uh, wait and see when the next episode of Wrestling is Trash is going to come out. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to try to keep this more consistent. I'm going to put some... T- uh, time aside to uh, try to keep everything on and popping. The voices that you hear uh, tonight are going to be normal uh, freaking recurring guests as long as they have the time to do so as well. But um, I think that's about it. Uh, appreciate all you guys for giving me your time tonight. Ajar had to go do some work shit as he normally does. But um, this is where we put the pin in it. And I'll see y'all motherfuckers next time. <laughs> Later.